This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. I am excited to be with you for an awesome podcast episode today. I will be solo, but I promise you, Chris Knutes and my co-host, we will be reuniting soon and doing more of these episodes together. In fact, next week's episode, we'll be doing a Q&A session where we take a lot of our listener questions and answer them. So we're excited about that, and we will make that more of a, a habit moving forward. Today's episode is a good one, though. I'm going to be interviewing Matt, who's a member of the engineering career community, and he's talking about a topic that's difficult topic to talk about. He's in the process of trying to find a new job. So he's currently working though. He's a successful working engineer. He just got to a point where he feels like he hit a ceiling. And so he's been going through this job search process for a few months now, and you can kind of hear in his voice that he's tired of it and it's stressful, but he's nearing the end of it. And we kind of go through a lot of stuff. I appreciated him coming on and being open and honest with the whole process. So we're really going to dive into this one. I think you're going to like this one. The show notes for today's episode are going to be found at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash job help. That's all lowercase, J-O-B-H-E-L-P, job help. We'll put a little summary of what we talked about here, and you can leave comments and questions there for myself or the guest, and we will try to do our best to answer them for you. So before we jump into the interview here, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. We really thank them because they allow us to keep the show free, which is awesome. So if you're thinking about taking the FEP or SE exam this year, I recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam preparation. For a special 15% discount, use promo code COACH at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. And use promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. All right, so before we jump into the interview with Matt, let me give you a quote to take us into it. Opportunities don't happen, you create them. That is from Chris Grosser. And the reason that I like that quote is it's so true. If you're stagnant in your career and your current job, then go create a new opportunity for yourself. And that's exactly what Matt's going to do. All right, so now it's time for the main segment of our show. In today's main segment, I have with me Matt, who's a professional engineer, a civil engineer working in California, and he is in the midst of looking to make a career transition, really because he wants to have the ability to grow more like most of our listeners and our engineering career community members that are constantly looking to grow. And so Matt contacted me with some questions about his process and he's kind of thinking through some of the decisions that he has to make. So I asked him if he would come on the the podcast and we could kind of work through these decisions together, at least talk about how he evaluated some of the different opportunities that he has so that our listeners, who I'm sure many of you have to, will be doing this or have gone through this transition yourself, and I thought it might be helpful. So any of the big items we talk about, or if we talk about different decision-making strategies, whatever the case may be, we'll list everything in the show notes for this show, which will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash 
job help, J-O-B-H-E-L-P, lowercase. And again, if we talk about something, we talk about a book, we talk about a process, I might want to link to it in the show notes and we'll do that. So with that, Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks, Anthony. Uh, I appreciate having me on the show and discussing uh, my situation with you and the listeners. Yeah, so so let's jump into a little bit. And basically, you want to make a transition. Like I said, you, you're looking for more growth, I believe. And, and kind of maybe you could give us a little quick update on kind of where you're at in your process and what you've been up to. Yeah, so a little background on my situation is uh, I've been with uh, one company uh, since graduating school. So I've only had, you know, one one experience, especially in the location I'm in. I've recently been a little bit dissatisfied with my job and and have been thinking about finding a new opportunity where I can develop my skills and grow my career. And so I started looking a while back and have been interviewing with a few companies. And it got to a point where I had been interviewing with a handful of companies a number of times. And so it seemed likely that I was going to receive a few different offers. And at that point, I wanted to in my mind, at least, have a decision ready in case the offer started coming in. So I, I knew where I wanted to focus my efforts and where I saw the, the best opportunity for my career to go. And Matt is a, a member of the engineering career community. I helped him out with his resume. We, we kind of did some stuff to draw out some of his specific technical expertise to make sure that it was very evident. So, you know, I've been kind of familiar with the process that he's going through. So Matt, you're getting to this position where you're going to be sending out some resumes, you're looking for the right company, you're looking for the right fit so that you can grow. And then, you know, you have this obviously waiting period where you have to wait to hear back from companies or you get some initial feedback and you're waiting to hear back further. And regardless of what happens, you need to start thinking about different scenarios that are going to happen, different opportunities that might come your way. So talk to us about some of the the scenarios or the opportunities that you thought about. So in my situation, I'm currently at a company that focuses on a particular industry in our engineering discipline, and that's something I really, I only had experience, you know, kind of with this particular industry. So some of my decisions are involved going to companies that are focused in, in other industries, and they do different types of work, and so that has a whole host of you know, different challenges and different opportunities that I didn't really know about. So one of the challenges that uh, I faced was figuring out if I wanted to change industries and try something new or if I wanted to stick with a company that was kind of doing the same sort of work I was doing but maybe was organized differently than my current company. Yeah, so just, just so I can elaborate a bit, just to give everyone a clear picture of this, I'll use civil engineering in general as an example. In the world of civil engineering, there's a lot of different disciplines. I know this because that's my background. So there might be geotechnical, which is soil, structural, which you focus on buildings, bridges, beams, etc. Then there's site development, which I focused on drainage, stormwater, site layout. So if you work in one of these disciplines and then you have an opportunity to go to a different civil firm that all of a sudden has multiple disciplines, there's an opportunity for you to maybe cross over, maybe try something different. Um, maybe do geotechnical engineering in a structural department because some of these different disciplines cross over. So that's just an example so you can kind of understand that, you know, Matt works for kind of a niche company in a specific niche of a discipline and now he's got this opportunity. So Matt, when you thought about that, is that something that interests you, the possibility of 
getting involved with some of the other disciplines or working with the other disciplines? So originally it was something I thought I definitely wanted to do. I thought that the type of work we did played a large role in why I was a little dissatisfied. Um, after going through a lot of thinking and discussing with with other people, I came to realize that may not necessarily be true. So I've put a lot more consideration into staying where with the industry I'm in. And I do have one company that I had been interviewing with that is in the same niche market, as you mentioned. And so I'm putting a lot more serious thought into going with that opportunity, you know, for that and for other reasons as well. But I think at this point, I'm, I'm still open to, to changing industries. It's, um, I guess it's a matter of which problems, you know, I want to face in the, the industry I'm in. There are some things that are particularly frustrating. However, you know, there, there are problems that I have experience with and I know to some extent how to deal with them. And it took a lot for me to, to think about and realize that, you know, my job dissatisfaction didn't necessarily stem from the work I did, but possibly from, you know, the management style of my company or sometimes the, uh, the culture in my office and just the support system that existed to solve these problems. Okay. That's a really good point. So for those of you out there listening, you might have to face this decision as well is do you stay in a very niche aspect of engineering or do you be a little bit more open, a little bit more broad, cross over in a couple different niches in your own discipline? Listen, you could do it either way. I started out doing a bunch of different disciplines in civil engineering and I ended up going to the land development route. And then I actually ended up focusing an expertise on septic system design because at the time that was popular and I decided to do that. And I think that there could be positives to both. It depends on your specific situation. I think that there can be a lot of positives, certainly to staying in a very small niche, which of course may have its challenges. There may be, it might be tougher to find the job in a niche or there might be a real competitive niche. Depends what the specifics are. But if you become a real well-known expert who's very good at, at, a, at what you do in a, in a specific niche, you can have a lot of success. So that's that's one real benefit of it. It sounds like for Matt, he's still up in the air a bit with this and he'll evaluate the opportunities and he's potentially open to go either way. But I do like what he said there at the end, which is that sometimes because you might be working in a difficult situation, I'm not specifically talking about Matt, but in general, you may have a situation where you have a boss that you don't like or that you don't get along with or that stifles you, which I've had some experience with that. You know, It might give you this idea that what you're doing is not enjoyable to you, it might not really be the work. It might be more the atmosphere, more the culture, more the other things you have to deal with. Whereas if you were in an atmosphere where you could focus more on your craft, build it, learn, become skilled in it, you might flourish in it and you know find that passion in what you do. So that's a good point. How about companies? Like when you actually picked companies, what was that process like? How did you go through and try to find what you would think would be the right fit for you? I didn't do uh, a whole lot of being picky and choosy. Uh, as far as which companies I applied to, I looked a lot on just various websites and Google searching in my area what what different companies were out there. And you go to every website and they all say their own company's the best. So initially, I I just had to go on what the websites looked like, essentially, and 
you know, it's not the best way to judge a company, but it, it was a place to start, and that's where I, I started as far as picking who to apply to. Later on, I started talking to more people in the industry, and even when you interview with companies, one thing I realized is that the engineering community is very, uh, I guess, small in a way in that the people who run these companies pretty much know the other players in their industry. So they know who their competitors are and they know generally who the managers or the principals are in these other companies that you're applying to. So they had uh, some commentary to give during my interviews. Again, it's going to be biased. And one thing I found helpful was I actually contacted someone who had a lot of experience in the industry and had held a position in a professional organization that was very relevant to the type of civil engineering I do. And I ended up having some phone conversations with him just to talk about the industry in general and what the different opportunities were like. And it was nice to have that basically a third party opinion giving me advice. That's really great. Matt, were there any constraints or guidelines that you use or that you are using in your process? For example, is geography is like, you know, your commute time, like, are there, are there factors like that, that you're thinking about as you go through the process or are you mainly focusing on just getting the best fit? Uh, there's definitely other factors. And I think the biggest one for me is probably geography. Uh, I wanted to stay where I, in the city I'm currently living in and commuting is definitely a, a big deal. But as I had to expand my search, you know, I started kind of close to home and then grew outwards from there and thought about if I really end up working for this company, how am I going to, how am I going to get to work every day? Right. And there's a number of different options. Some of the companies it'd be easier to drive to some of the companies that can take public transportation, but then it, it reaches a point where I also had to consider moving to a new location. And at this point I'm, still fairly open to pretty much anything. Again, part of this was just the number of people who responded is a small percentage of the companies I actually applied to. And I think sure. that's typically the case uh, unless you have like some great connections. And since I'm still growing my career, I didn't have a whole lot of connections to rely on as far as finding a new opportunity. Let me ask you a question, Matt. Did LinkedIn play a factor? Was it helpful at all? Yeah, so when I mentioned that I, I found someone in the industry to give me some objective and, and third-party advice, that's actually how I found them is through LinkedIn. Uh, what I did was I, I ended up searching the professional organizations for people who, were, who had led them and who had experience in, in the type of work that I felt I might be interested in doing. And I found a list of you know, leaders on the website and went to LinkedIn and started looking up those people that had been leaders in these organizations and actually using the, the tips from the past webinar about using LinkedIn and contacting people. I contacted this one guy and he actually responded very quickly and he was very willing to help, which I was completely surprised about since, you know, he didn't know me. I didn't really know him. He had like tons of years of experience and I didn't, but it ended up being very helpful and I was glad I did it because I wasn't sure it was really going to work out, but in the end it, it really did. 
Matt actually referenced the webinar. We did a webinar inside our engineering career community in June where one of our members who's an engineer in the Midwest, he actually used LinkedIn extremely effectively to land himself a new job. The approach that he took was awesome. He went through everything with us. He showed us his actual messages he sent to people, the text, and it was really powerful. And if that's if you're not a member and you're interested in checking it out, just go to engineeringcareercommunity.com. We do have a trial for a month that you can try out and you can get access to the recordings. But if you are a member, it was the June webinar. But I found that in talking with people in general, that LinkedIn has been helpful. And even if you use it, maybe it doesn't get you a job or an interview directly, but you can use it for things like Matt has done here, where you know he's getting just getting feedback from people. Because that's an important part of this process. The job process, as I'm sure Matt can attest to, is a very rigorous process. It's not easy. There's a lot of steps. There's a lot of follow-up that has to be done. Yeah. Definitely. I've heard many people joke that, you know, finding a job is a job. You know, I mean, it's just, it takes so much time and so much effort. So, any way that you can get help, any way that you can get feedback, any connections that you know that could reach out for you that can help you are all really important. So, Matt, obviously, I know you're at a point right now where you're kind of waiting to hear back from some companies. And I'm sure, pending what happens, you may even be reaching out to more companies. Right. How do you, like, just mentally, like, just the approach? It sounds like it's a tiring thing. How do you try to just push forward and stay focused on everything? You know, is there anything you do? Do you just, you know, think about your goals or? Like you mentioned, it's really difficult to stay focused. And one thing I realized is that my timeline compared to a business's timeline are very different where I think, you know, days and weeks are short term and months are a long term thing. Businesses are operating on months as a short term uh, timeline. So it tends to be where I don't hear back quite as frequently or as quickly as I would like. And I can't really blame the companies for that because hiring is is a much bigger decision for them than it is for me to choose a job. And like you mentioned, finding a job is kind of a job in itself. And I, I definitely agree with that assessment because I would come home from work and then spend the next few hours in the afternoon just corresponding and and doing research and looking up opportunities and stuff like that. As far as how I stay focused through that, I wouldn't say I'm I'm always focused and motivated. Uh, Some things that have helped have just been doing the research, actually, and learning more about my industry, because it is something that I know I'm very passionate about. So just learning more about the industry and even something like reading technical articles, it keeps me motivated to to really find an opportunity where I'm going to be happy and want to excel and grow my career. And uh, listening to some of your podcasts has also helped keep me focused and motivated. Great. I think another important aspect is also taking a break. It does get pretty tedious and, and long as far as the hours are concerned. And when you're doing this in addition to maintaining your current job, it seems like you know, you're working, then you come home and you continue working, essentially. And finding a way to relax, I think, can be very helpful. Personally, I go to the gym like pretty much every day, and that helps me relieve a lot of stress and then kind of regroup and focus on the next actions to take. Well, listen, those are all, I think, really good points. I think it is important to kind of de-stress and relax even when you're going through a rigorous process like that where every kind of minute can count. Yeah. 
I think one thing for everyone to think about out there is that, yes, the job search process is going to be a challenge, something that's challenging and something that takes time and effort. And it should because, you know, it's, it's a very important, obviously, decision. It, it drives a lot of your career, which makes up a big part of your life. But I think remember that there's just two different aspects here. One is that in, in Matt's case, he actually has a job while he's doing this, which is a good thing, obviously, because he's not necessarily out of work. But it also makes it more challenging in that his time is limited. Whereas if you were on the flip side, you might not have a job, which is difficult because then you don't have, you know, you have no income potentially, which is very difficult, but you do have more time to work on it. Um, and maybe you could do some, some more things that you wouldn't be able to do with a job. And I think the point in mentioning that is because when we talked about your constraints or your guidelines on when you look for a company, I think that when you don't have a job, that changes, right? Because you probably are going to widen the scope and you're probably going to say, listen, I, I'm not making any income, so I'll move wherever I got to move to get a job. Whereas in Matt's situation, he's in a location where he'd like to stay. He has a job, so he may have a little bit more time before he says, I need to widen my my scope or my or my range of what I what's going to be an acceptable job for me. So I think that, you know, those are all aspects to consider. And I think, you know, some of the key things here as, as we end up with Matt here is thinking about all the potential scenarios before they happen. Because when you do get that offer letter, you're probably not going to have a ton of time to answer. So you want to think through the different scenarios and also thinking about what your guidelines are and where you, what the type of company you want to work. Doing that research up front, I think is important. And I think one of the things that we kind of overlook the most in this whole situation is understanding, recognizing when it's time for you to make a move. I think it's a very difficult decision to make you get comfortable in a job, you're getting a paycheck, you go there every day, it really becomes a habit. And to be able to recognize that it's time to make a move and then start to go through this rigorous process, I think in itself is just a really big, you know, it's an accomplishment because what happens is a lot of times engineers don't realize it or they don't want to realize it and they stay in a job that's not really helping them grow for sometimes years and that really can stunt their career growth. So I definitely commend Matt on on recognizing that and making a move. Matt, is there any any last tips, points, or thoughts that you want to share before we end off uh, the segment? Yeah, I'd like to give another piece of advice as far as helping make a choice and even making the decision to move or not is, um, is to really think about what makes you happy at your job and what doesn't make you or what makes you unhappy at your job and really understanding what exactly those those things are. It's easy a lot of times, I think, for not liking one thing to kind of creep into your mind and then you seem unhappy with the entire situation. And that's how I felt a number of times where it was like, well, I'm just unhappy in general. I want, you know, everything to change. Or I just know I want something to change. I don't know what it is, but I'm just not happy here. And so understanding what exactly you want to change is I think very important and it took some effort for me to be objective in evaluating my dissatisfaction and you know I, I had to stop and think during the day when I was in the middle of, of my work where I thought you know I'm, I'm starting to get kind of stressed out I really don't like the situation but I had to step back and say okay what about the situation don't I like and if I were for example, is it the work? And if I were in a different situation with different people, would this work be so bad? And for me, a lot of times that answer was, you know, I could probably get over 
you know, the type of work I'm doing, or I might be able to find a better way to solve this problem if I was in a different environment. So company culture and, and management style and office environment was a big factor for me in looking for a new job. So my piece of advice is to be as objective as possible in evaluating your own dissatisfaction and, and really figuring out what exactly it is that's, that's causing you to you know, want to pursue a new job. Okay, that's awesome. Matt, thanks for coming on and uh, you know, sharing some of this information with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Anthony, for having me on. And I appreciate your, your advice and all the help that the ECC does. Great. Thanks, Matt. All right, what we're going to do now is we're going to jump into the Take Action Today segment of the show. And on this episode, we're going to do something a little bit different. And we may start to do this more often. I'm going to answer one of the listener questions to close out the show today. All right, now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And in today's segment, I am going to answer a question from one of our listeners. And and that's also what we're going to be doing the entire next episode. Um, This is what the show is all about, answering listeners' questions and helping you to have the best possible engineering career you can have. So before I give you this Q&A, let me just take a minute to recognize our sponsor once again for the show, PPI. Our listeners often ask us what exam prep materials or review courses that they should use when preparing for the FEP or SE exam. Hands down, I recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam, I have a special promo code for listeners of our podcast. Use promo code COACH for 15% off your order at ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach and use the promo code COACH at checkout for 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is simple. They want to help engineers pass the FEPE and SE exams and advance their careers. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it is the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FEPE and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam and for special offers and discounts exclusive to my podcast listeners, visit ppi2pass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. All right, so now what I'd like to do is answer a listener question, which we're going to start to do a little bit more often these days, just because, you know, that's what the show's all about, right? Is delivering value to our listeners. Today's question comes to us from Lauren from Edinburgh, UK, a recent graduate. I will be graduating with my master's in geotechnical engineering here in the UK in September 2016 at the age of 25. My main goal after graduating is to focus on career progression as much as possible. How long would it take for a recent graduate to become a senior principal engineer? All right, so Lauren, I'm sure that that question is being asked by people that are 15 years out of school by now, not just recent graduates. but the question obviously has a different answer for everyone. Depends on your industry, depends on your location, depends on the type of work you want to do. But let me give you a couple of answers that I think will help you. First of all, you want to develop your soft skills. That's going to be absolutely critical. When I say soft skills, or, or I like to say core skills, communication, networking, the ability to speak in public, your leadership abilities, your uh, abilities to deal with difficult people, right? These are the skills that are going to help you become, get promoted quickly as an engineer. Try to improve yourself on a regular basis. Do training, do personal development training, professional development training. 
If you go to our website, just go to engineeringcareercommunity.com. We have a whole community where you can do a trial for 30 days for a dollar, and you can get access to over 40 webinars on all the skills I just talked about. Focus on delivering value to people, Lauren. When you get into your career, just think about how can I give maximum value to my supervisor, to my clients, to my colleagues, to my team. Just keep offering value and you will go far and fast. And lastly, you're in the geotechnical world and this probably goes for most engineering disciplines. Learn how to bring in business to your company. Money. Money's the bottom line. Companies operate with money. So if you could figure out how to get more money in by bringing in new clients, then you will be a senior principal engineer before you know it. Lauren, thanks so much for listening and thank you for sending in the question. All right. So with that, I hope you enjoyed the episode for today. I certainly enjoyed it. I had a blast interviewing Matt and really digging into that whole process of trying to find a job. If you have any comments, go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash job help, J-O-B-H-E-L-P. And also if at any time you want to ask your own career question and either come on the show potentially, or you want to just leave questions for us to answer on the show, just go to engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash ask, A-S-K, lowercase, and you can put in your questions and we will answer them. Until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.